Welcome to episode 31 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Jeff Brownson. And I'm Derek Dye, and together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is Marty Doherty, owner and head brewer at B Chord Brewing Company in Round Hill, Virginia. Marty has taken his love of music and his passion for brewing and combined them to create an amazing space to taste a few beers and enjoy a great musical act or two. We'll talk to Marty about everything from the beers they are creating to the way that the pandemic helped them grow their music scene and more. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss anything we have coming down the line. We want to send a big thanks to Visit Loudon and the Loco L Trail for sponsoring this episode. There's so much to do out there that we'll certainly keep visiting after our partnership is completed. And now, after a quick word from our sponsor, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Marty. This episode is brought to you by Visit Loudon, the tourism office for the Loco Ale Trail. With 35 breweries and counting, Loudoun County is one of the most vibrant craft beer destinations in the U.S. Visit Loudoun invites you to hit the Loco Ale Trail, which connects the urban breweries of Sterling and Ashburn in the east, to everything from bespoke taprooms and historic towns to farm breweries with stunning Blue Ridge Mountain views out west. Grab your Ale Trail passport to collect stamps, win prizes, and say cheers in Loudoun beer country. For more, check out visitloudoun.org. Hey everyone, we're excited to be here today. I have Derek with me who made the trek out from the Eastern Shore to record in person and we are at B Chord Brewing out in Round Hill, Virginia in Loudoun County and we have their owner, Marty Doherty, is here with us today. Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. And Derek, I guess I should let you say hi too. Hey, Jeff. Always good to be in Loudoun County drinking some beer. I skipped right by that uh, entry for you. so you I'm know. not important. We all know that no, at this point. No, not important at all. So as we always do this morning, we're going to get started with what we're drinking. We're at a brewery. It's uh, almost noon here when we're recording. There's no way that we could not have a beer while we record. Uh, Marty, you're still on coffee this morning, right? I am still on coffee. I had a late evening and another late evening in store tonight, so (laughs) I I need to pace myself. Yeah, there's some exciting stuff going on at the brewery here today, which we'll get into. But Derek and I are taking advantage. We went into the bar and uh, picked up a a variety of what you have going here. I have everything from a, I think it was a blueberry sour. I've got a Kolsch. I have a Hefeweizen. I have an Amber Ale. Derek, what do you have over there? Shocker, Jeff. I got both of the IPAs on tap. No one will believe that, but it's actually true. I also got a lime seltzer with mint, which is fantastic, especially for summertime drinking. And last but not least, also equally delicious, the non-alcoholic root beer, which is family-friendly and awesome. 
That was pretty tasty. So, Marty, do you think we got a good uh, a grouping here and kind of taste what you have here at the brewery? Um, I, I do. I think you're missing maybe something a little more malty. We have a, a Scotch Ale in there that um, you know maybe it's not completely the right season for, but it has a lot of happiness in it. And, I saw uh, that, and I thought, I'm going to try that. Yeah. But I thought I had to do something nice and light uh, for the recording here. But And, and we, do, we have an oatmeal stout as well that's super fresh that uh, – I saw that 10%, and I thought that might be a bad life choice at 11 a.m. in the morning. Well, if you're going to go for 11 a.m. beer, why not? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Though tomorrow we're recording at, uh, I think, 9 a.m. with a brewery. And we did that up in Maine, and we were thinking we'd maybe have a beer. And I, by 11, when we were done recording, I think it... Lost, great lost bear we had had like six different beers and we were like well we're not driving anywhere for a while we better stay for lunch yeah i see a nap in the middle of the day there <laughs> we didn't unfortunately we were in portland so we just kept drinking kept going kept going but enough about portland and enough about us let's talk about you marty and this amazing place it's both of our first times here such a cool space here at b cord and uh, let's I guess go back to the the beginnings for you in brewing. What's what's your background before B Cord? Um, you know, before I got into the brewing business, I was an engineer uh, by by training, uh, engineer by education, and I worked in telecommunications for uh, my entire career. The last fifteen years of it or so, I owned an ISP, and it became one of the largest wireless ISPs in Virginia. And although it was an amazingly wonderful experience because I was in the forefront of Internet access here in Loudoun County. In fact, most of the people that live out here in western Loudoun County, if they've been here more than a few years, were customers of my of my companies. And uh, we were the, the, the beginning, uh, the innovators of broadband in, in Loudoun County, western Loudoun in particular. And it was a wonderful experience. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we were able to work with uh, innovators and creative people who were inventing solutions to problems and bringing amazing technology to people. And it, it was it was really a lot of fun. But then that matured, and it became more of a you know continue to grow, continue to to make uh, bigger and better. And I realized that the creativity was going away. And I wanted to find uh, another way to be creative. I didn't, I didn't think I wanted to do that the rest of my life. And having a deep love of music and beer and, and having a, a history of, of enjoying music and beer together, of course, you know, kind of like, well, that would be a great thing to do. And you could really be creative with that. And at the beginning of this whole Virginia craft beer scene, we were... You know, me and my friends, we were watching this grow and watching it unfold. And we, and we, and I owned a farm, and farm, farm, you know, farm brewing and a farm brewery bill has passed, and it made it possible to have a brewery on our farm. And I thought, well, there you go. It could be creative and grow and build a new business and a new industry and a new thing that that nobody else was doing. And at the same time, some guys showed up with cash to buy my ISP. Uh, it was perfect. He said, I'll take the cash. And Thank you. I I'll, will buy brewing equipment. I, I will <laughs> buy brewing equipment, and I will you know, blow my entire retirement on a brewery. No problem at all. <laughs> and, and I did. And uh, you know, that's kind of how I got started. I, I mean, honestly, I, it wasn't like I was brewing beer at home in my garage for 20 years, and this was the dream that I always had. It, it's not. It, it, you know, it's really, the dream is really the whole thing that's going on here. The, the beer, you know, the scene, the, the music that we bring together, the food, 
the the whole overall experience that we have built here is really what was the goal and the vision and it's it's been coming together nicely and since covid we've been able to really solidify that vision and people are are, are very appreciative of what we've been been working to build it's interesting that you have the the technical background and you mentioned you wanted to be creative and you wanted to get into doing more of the the things that you love the beer and the music i think so many of us who have that technical background my background's mechanical engineering and here i am doing a podcast about travel and beer it's like you just kind of identify what you love and what you want to do and where you can have that creative outlet but for someone who had no real background in brewing and no real background in bringing music events together it's it's amazing what you've done here. You yeah, yeah. you well, seem to have figured it out real yeah. quick. Well, you know, the same thing in the ISP business when we uh, built out the, you know in essence the beginning of the internet and broadband networks. It, d- it didn't exist before. I didn't know how to do it. It wasn't something that anyone you know knew how to do or that we had some passion for doing because it didn't exist. So learned along the way how to do that and how to how the, you know, the building of the pieces to get this overall vision is just the whole part of the exciting part of building a business and building you know a brewery and all that goes with it it's all about learning along the way so you've answered half the question about b cord you you had no brewing experience before opening this brewery did you have any music experience in terms of live venues and and booking live acts a little a little bit you know as part of the you know the technical side of me um, and and being an ISP, we had me and a bunch of my friends had built a small little company on the side, doing uh, video production, live venue video production, either recorded or on the screens, uh, over the years. And we, you know, over that the years of doing that, met many musicians and management companies and people along the way. So yeah, we had a, a little connection in the music business, which certainly helped quite a bit. And that explains some of the ridiculous cameras we saw when we walked in here that you have set up for, Correct. I mean, they were actually all kind of in a pile, but I assume they'll be set up as the day goes on That's to record right. some That's of right. what's going on here today. Right. It's one of the differentiators that we, you know, when, you know, we decided to build this experience, which included beer uh, and music. We also wanted to make it an amazing experience for the musicians or the artists that come here. And so we, you know, we do as much as we can to make that happen for them. And one of them is to give them a, you know, a live recorded, especially since COVID, to stream a live show for them and do it in a super high quality way. You know, once again, knowing from my ISP world how to stream and how to, how to do all that stuff properly, that's one of the things we bring to the table. And I think that's a really big thing for a venue to be able to, they don't have to bring someone else in to do that specifically for them. You say, oh yeah, we can throw this in too. Right. Which right. is a, I would think would be a huge draw, like you said, especially during COVID. And I know when you wanted to open this brewery, you, you got your check, you were going to be opening a brewery, you ran into some obstacles and some, had some pushback from neighbors, I think, right, when with your original location. Can you talk a little bit about what you went through with finding a place and making the community happy? Right. It, it, it was a pretty um, long, drawn-out process that can be easily summarized by the, the idea that the, the new farm brewery bill, which was passed by the Commonwealth, uh, needed to be implemented at the county level. And the zoning uh, and rules and regulations that they, they put in place for farm breweries in Loudoun County 
were pretty non-existent and really it, it was as if you know you could write your own rules and so some of the folks that are against development that are against traffic against a lot of anything going on out in western Loudoun county you know latched on to that and they said you know in essence hell on earth is coming with these farm breweries and that we need to stop them and we were there at the beginning. A dirt farm was there, Old 690 was there, and we were there. We were at the board meetings because we also were waiting for the zoning to be approved so that we could open our farm brewery. And uh, Roger was there, you know, Barnhouse. There was a handful of breweries that were trying to get open, and we were there. And we were one of the ones that were kind of like out there and vocal about it. And so they came after us in essence. They said, you know, they're gonna take a stand and this brewery is hell on earth coming. They're gonna have they're gonna have out, outdoor music and live concerts, stadium lighting at 2 a.m. and there'll be thousands of cars coming and they're gonna drain the aquifer and people will be crashing all over on their way out of there. It was just, and they, they, they were very organized and went on a massive campaign, which included a, a mass mailing of a postcard to I think about 8,000 residents in Western Loudoun, and the postcard, if you got, if you looked at it and read it, you, you, all of us would be in arms. We'd be like, "This is crazy! They can't do this. We can't have these breweries. These are terrible things." And they just made you out to be the worst, the worst of what you could possibly be if you yeah. did everything yep. because you hated your neighbors. Full page ads, the whole bit. So anyhow, and we had to have a long, drawn-out hearing process. We want, we got our license. They objected. Uh, they, they hired the right people, right attorneys, however you want to look at it. And it was a political process in my mind where at the appeal, they undid the license and took it back. And the, our next step would have been to go to the courthouse and appeal directly to the court. And uh, around the same time, someone from the county contacted me and said, hey, you know, there's this property over in Round Hill, other side of the highway, that's going to be a seven-home subdivision. And the neighbors have been fighting that for years, and they hate the idea of the seven-home submissions coming in there. And the guy is willing to sell the land right now. And so, you might not be so bad compared that, to exactly. that seven-home So we, we really we raced to get it, you know, to get over here and talk to the neighbors and say, you know, basically made the pitch that would you rather have us or the seven houses, and they all would rather have us. And uh, so it was like a you know match made in heaven in that sense, you know we. We we went from being you know hated to being embraced, and that's how we got over here. And, and it was and, and you know honestly it's a, it's a great story. This this subdivision would never have been approved today during the current zoning rules and regulations, but it was approved a long long time ago, and the regulations were pretty lenient. And the seven houses were located in steep slopes and sensitive areas. The pitch to the neighbors was when even if the brewery goes under. When we're done, the subdivision is still dead. So you you get yeah. your you get your victory, you know. You could let us have this brewery, and then you could hate us later. But right now, let me have the brewery, and it worked. And they were very happy to have us, and uh, they, they've been we've had a great community around us here. The neighbors really uh, have been very supportive. Well, I'm glad it worked out for you, especially this this property is just beautiful. You still have so many of the trees that would have been gone if they had put houses in, and I, I'm sure the neighbors are plenty happy to have you here. You don't have crazy amounts of traffic. It's not like you had uh, Jiffy Lube Live emptying out every time you have a concert. I'm right. sure you're not here till right. 2 a.m. with right. lights and right. music. No, and no, and we, you know, we specifically you know, pitched that back then. But they didn't. They they took advantage of the idea that the law said we could, 
So why would you trust these people? You know, they're definitely going to do it as soon as they get the chance to. And we tried to pitch that. And, and the funny part was is that they made the argument often it was that I was an outsider in the community, which was outrageous because I've lived in Bluemont for 25 years, and I was the guy that provided <laughs> all of them their broadband internet access for years and years. They all knew me. I was the provider of their – they would send these crazy emails on my mail server to me saying that I was an outsider, even though they were still using my old mail and server. And that property you were attempting was actually in Bluemont, right? Yeah. So yep. like your hometown yeah. <laughs> that you have lived in, and we're providing the internet access but for them know, to if protest. You don't, if you, you don't know, something. you know, they can make the pitch, and you're yeah. be people believe in it thing nowadays you know? yeah absolutely so but that's right it's all in the past in the end it turns out actually that we like it much nicer over here it's a, it's right off the highway uh, there's still a lot of contention in Bluemont over traffic and the winery and the, the brewery and the farm and we can just avoid all of that by being over here so it's been you know been a blessing actually and what year did B Court open at its current location uh, it opened uh, four years ago so uh, 17 2017 I like how you had to look down and like we were, you could, if you could see us, if we were doing video here, we were all like math, 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 minus four. What right. is this year? Well, 2020 doesn't count, yeah, right? Last right. Year didn't right. Count, so. It's either one year, it was a, or no years, or it was a decade, depending on your perspective. Both at the same time. It, it was both. both. You're at right. different parts of that period. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked me how old I was the other day and I had no idea. Like I knew within a year one way or the other and I was like I was like I don't know what year is it now? How when was I born? What time of year is it? Right. And I just had a birthday like a month and a half ago. You think I would know, but man, that 2020 messed up everything. That's right. And you told us Obviously, the location is not what you expected when you first thought about opening B Chord. Uh, other than that location change, uh, how does B Chord look to you today versus your vision when you op when you started opening it? Yeah, it, it, we're not farming as much as we wanted to farm. That's I think the biggest difference in the vision. We we really wanted to be farm farming a, a lot more and even you know i don't think it's possible farming first brewing second but we, we definitely wanted to be farming more and, and the, the whole path that we got here taught us that actually there needs to be some rethinking of the whole farm brewery approach and if, as an example here for this is a great property to, as an example this this seven acre or seven home subdivision uh, 66 acres seven home subdivision uh, it's a terrible place to grow anything. It's not good farmland. So if, the, if they're trying to save space, rural space from being developed by farming, well, you're not going to save this in farming because it's not good farmland. It's a great place to put a brewery, though. It's right off the highway. It's got a nice slope. It's beautiful here. It's a great place to put a brewery. And it turns out that that land over in Bluemont is a great place to grow stuff. And the neighbors don't want anybody back there. So really, there's a partnership to be had between farm breweries who are located in nice, beautiful places like this that preserve the land and then buy ingredients and buy products from the farmers down the road and around the corner that are not in great places for, the, for breweries, but great places to grow. Like, you know, there's no flat land here, for example, right? So growing hops is tough. But right down the street and around the corner, the guy's got a 20-acre hops farm. I can buy hops from him, and I keep him, keep him, you know, producing. And that land is now not in houses as well. Right? 
So it's a way to preserve the land. You don't necessarily have to own both parts of it, but you still, as a group, are preserving this area and really bringing something great to the people, even from where I'm from, in the within the Beltway around D.C. It was probably a little over an hour drive out here today, but so many people are loving the ability to get outside and try beers and try wines in Loudoun County, and it's... It's great that places like B Court and other breweries have been able to keep some of that land as we see that urban sprawl happening. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully you can hold on to it for years to come and just right. keep it, these yep. opportunities here so that I don't have to drive, I don't know, four hours to That's find right. nature and some That's trees right. and some cicadas humming. That's right. It, it really started off, the whole effort really started off as a way to prevent the county from ending up with more houses, you know, because the idea is that houses equal kids that got to go to school and cost to educate them. And even if you take the seven home subdivision that was going to come here, if you figure a kid and a half per house on average, there's still 10 or 12 kids at $15,000 per kid per year that have to be educated. The tax dollars don't pay for that. So forever and ever and ever, people out in the eastern part of the county subsidize that. And that's kind of how this whole thing, you know, the, keeping it from being developed came came about. But now nowadays, it's much further along. It's really about the whole ecosystem that the breweries and the wineries have developed out, out here. It went from, you know, just keeping houses from being built to, like, people want to live and work and play out in western Loudoun County. People that grow up here, like... You know, I've been like I said, I've been here a long time, and I've got kids that have grown up here in, in Loudoun County, and they don't all want to move away. They want to be able to work here. They want to have a way to live here. They want to be able to play here. And so, this whole ecosystem that we're building now is not just about pre- preventing houses. It's about having a place to live and a community, you know, with culture and a community with, you know, things to do. And music, for example, is a great part of it. it when we started the brewery. They, they thought, you know, I had to keep it quiet that we might stay open past 6 o'clock. Because you know, in the beginning, they thought, well, you know, that's not what we want. But we do. We started off as no houses, but it turned into we also want culture. We want to have music. We want to have arts, you know. Yeah, because they don't want music by their house. But when the music is by their house, they're like, oh, thank goodness, there's something to do tonight. Right. I can go over and listen to the music that's, that's right. right by my house. That's right. And, you know, as their kids grow up, and they want to have a place to work. And they want to have a place to go and be entertained. And... And these things are all now part of the ecosystem that the breweries and wineries have developed out here. So it's gotten way beyond just the stopping of the development. And it's beyond, you know, the tourist thing, which is a ton of money for the county and a lot of economic development. Yeah, and that's honestly the most fascinating thing I've learned from our partnership with Loudoun County and coming to these breweries, especially in western Loudoun County. It's now its own destination. Yeah, You're you're getting tourists in from D.C. every weekend from all over all over northern virginia and they're spending their dollars and their time in western loudon county at all these breweries that's right that's right and not only is it the breweries but it's it's the restaurants and it's all the other service industries bed and that breakfast, are bed and breakfasts airbnbs uh the hotels when we have events here the hotels in, in leesburg are, are booked up it, it all adds up and it's and it, like i said and then that just continues to grow and so we have this growing thriving ecosystem and people are amazed at how many breweries we have and there's more breweries coming and when there was 10 of them and they were amazed that there was going to be an 11th it's no different there's 40 there's going to be 50 it's because of the system this ecosystem that's developing around it i'm always amazed when i come out this way and i see some of the breweries that are popping up or even the ones that have been here for a couple of years and i look at it and i was like wait was that originally a brewery because that's gigantic for right. a small brewery like if you look at the places that are opening in dc or opening in 
in Falls Church or Arlington. There are these tiny little spots and they're just like hoping to survive the first year. And out here, you guys are building these grand structures and you have a huge stage now out in the back. And it's the ability to succeed with that much infrastructure and that much investment in it is amazing to see that so many people will will come out and enjoy that and you're so close to uh hiking to rafting to whatever you want to do in nature it really is it's a great spot for people to come that enjoy the outdoors but also want like you said the culture the music the food the the beer the wine it's wonderful my wife is actually i don't i think she's about 20 minutes 30 minutes from here she's in shenandoah national park today hiking doing like an eight hour hike while i'm here recording podcast and drinking that's great i think i got the better deal there (laughs) but i don't know we'll see (laughs) she does she has sent me some pictures with some beautiful views yeah it's it's nature it's getting to hang out in nature and drink beer or wine like we all like to do but it's i mean honestly it's also the convenience of a large city yeah as jeff said earlier you don't have to drive four hours to find these places that's right that's right 35 minutes from dc that's right and over the years as this as the as the all this has grown it's become more more here to do and, and more reason to come you know when it was a couple of breweries uh, now there's you know 40 breweries so if, if you like going to breweries and enjoy hanging out and and uh, being part of that scene you can come here a lot and go to many different breweries and uh we well. wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try and avoid those experiences. Yeah, right. yeah. A couple notes I just want to make quick as we get a little more background noise here. We've mentioned several times the nature and the beauty of the property. For those who aren't from the area, we do have the lovely 17-year cicada brood 10 um, are, are humming away as the day goes on. They'll get louder and louder in the background here. I apologize for that, but welcome to our world the past few weeks. It's just all we hear. We also have, have just picked up some sound check on the microphones, which we're on. We're facing, the stage faces the other way. We're behind a building. We're in a tent on the other side, but we're still going to hear some of that. They have a big music festival going on here today that starts in just a couple hours. So we're going to hear some sound checks and some background noise, but... I think it really gives you a, a good idea of what this property is and what they're doing here because you can hear what goes on and what builds up to what's going to be an amazing afternoon and evening here at B Chord. And Marty, I want to talk a little bit more about the music and the beer because the music you have, you've grown it to not just a, a lot of breweries have someone there for three hours playing guitar solo or what? might have a musical act every Saturday or something, but you have like ticketed destination music events you have today's festival has five or six bands pretty much every saturday sunday you guys have something major going on here that is really really good quality music how did you grow into that how did how do you find these bands how did you convince them to come to your little 66 acre plot in the middle it's a couple of things that really have come together you know and and a little bit of luck as well probably but i think uh you know the big concept is it's an evolution we have been doing music here since the beginning since the since we opened our doors in fact we had a musical we had a show here before we even had the building finished we had an open house didn't have the doors and windows in but we had a stage and we had beer and we had music and it's been an evolution from that from that point on small local bands you know we helped the local music scene grow we highlighted some of the better talent in the local music scene 
And as that as that evolved, and as the, you know, the number of breweries evolved, and the number of restaurants evolved, those musicians that we hired and put on our stage in, in the first couple of years that we we're open, you now see them all over the place playing at, at, at five places in, in in two months nearby, or around the corner, or down the street. It it really it really allowed them to grow. And in fact, the music we have here today is a big local festival. Um, so as that grew, then that le- allowed us to get. You know, a little bit of a spotlight in the music industry, and you know, through our friends and connections, they were they were watching us grow and watching us grow the music scene here organically, uh, and so we we're paying attention. And then COVID came, and I would think some of those bands also are seeing the live streaming that you're doing and seeing the quality, and they're talking to their friends and they're saying, "Oh, this is like they know what they're doing." Because yeah. yeah. anyone who goes and does a live event anywhere talks to other people in that same industry and says either avoid this or this place is fantastic or that's right. it's like going to amusement park you know you go to disney they're going to do things right and you the lines and everything will run smoothly you go to some other parks and maybe not quite as much yeah um on yeah the, on the music it, side of things clearly you're doing stuff right because you're not having a problem pulling people in to come here so that i would think that gets around in the music community and people are looking to come here because you have fans you have people who are happy they can get a good drink after the show or during the show for a lot of them yep it's i i mean it's just a great environment that you've built up here yeah i mean in the in the, in the end the music business is also a business right and so it's they, that you know although they obviously uh are are in the music business because of the love of music they also need to survive and pay their bills and so we, we want to make sure when we have music here that um, it's a very uh, profitable operation for everybody involved and that the vibe and the experience is, is, is unbelievable. And so when you put those together, that really makes a huge difference. And when, you know, when COVID came and all the, the entire music industry was shut down, you know, we approached our friends in the music business and talked about how we could, we could put on shows you know, safe shows and that we would enforce masking and that we would, you know, do all the things required to make it possible to have a safe show outdoors. And they trusted us because, you know, we have had these relationships. And so the first couple of outdoor shows were just a, a test and experiment. Could could people come and do it? Could they come and, and mask up properly? And could they, you know, you know do everything necessary to, to, you know, keep everybody comfortable, keep the musicians comfortable? Could they be kept away from the stage, you know, far enough and would they still come with the musicians had to wear masks? And so we, you know, we, we, we worked through all of that in the beginning of the, you know, our outdoor music series. And that gave, gained us a lot of trust in the, in the business. So that grew into the next thing because they, you know, the, the national acts that we had been working with in the past saw that and said, hey, uh, we want, we want to go there. And then we, we were super lucky, of course, to have uh, great friends in, in the Del McCurry family and his, you know, his management company. And all of that has you know, got us you know, where we're at right now. And you told us before we began recording today that you initially started with indoor concerts. Yeah. And now, obviously, you've transitioned outdoors. Tell our listeners a little bit about when you built the outdoor stage, which I can tell you is phenomenal it looks awesome sounds awesome yeah when did you transition outside and and tell us a little bit yeah, about just, that decision making just last year as as um you know if you remember we were closed for covid carried out only until the weekend after memorial day last year and so once we were able to open we we built 100 picnic tables 
and we said, you know, we're going to put these t- tables 20 feet apart from each other, 30 feet apart, whatever. So you went small with it. We, went small <laughs> with it. Just, <laughs> we had nothing to do for several months. So we decided to build picnic tables, and that's what we did. We built all these tables, and then we had to get them outside, which was a whole other story. But we got them distributed throughout the hill out there. We put 100 tables out, and we built this little stage. We said, you know, okay, we're ready to reopen, and we'll keep everybody safe. And you say this little stage. It's not a little well, stage. Well, we built it's a little stage. No, we did. We built a little stage. In fact, that, that oh, white okay. tent. Not the original. That white tent was a tent that size was over the stage, and it was just a little flat stage. Okay, because when stage. we walked in today, we were like, yeah, whoa, that's yeah. a serious stage. Well, what happened was we had some shows and on that little stage, and my – my friends from Nashville said, you know, we have some some national acts that want to get out and they want to come see you guys. And so uh, Shallow McCurries were on their way here to play on that little tiny stage. And so we, you know, my friends and the music loving community and the beer lovers around us all got together and whammo, we have that beautiful stage. And that's kind of, you know, got us rolling outside. So your stage is a lot like a famous quote from a baseball movie. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, so, we, so you built the big they, stage. They were on the way. Place. They were yeah, on the if way. They're coming. You have to build it. Yeah, that's more like it. They are coming. You better build it quickly. Right. Before we know and it, you'll be open till two a.m. with lights and loud music. No, <laughs> we will not do that. No, no. One of the things for sure is I am still, you know, I am still here every single day, and um, you know, I, I want this to represent me too. And I, you know, I don't want to be out here at two o'clock in the morning. I don't want my neighbors to want to be out here. None of it. So you know, that's never been you know a worry. And that's the thing that, you know, it's hard to convince people of that, of course. But It's interesting you talk about this is all a COVID thing, and obviously it, it's the highlight probably of Western Loudoun County now in my eyes. But go back a year and a half before we had ever heard of coronavirus or COVID or a lockdown or anything like that. Yeah. Was an outdoor music venue ever on the radar for B Chord? You know, not to the, not, not, not honestly, not for a while, because we, we knew that it would take us a while to gain the trust of the community. And so we were indoors only. We, we, we were definitely not an outdoor music venue. But during COVID, and we were closed or closed to carry out only, a lot of our neighbors came in and bought beer from us and talked to us and supported us. And there was a couple of neighbors that I know positively do not even drink beer. And they came in and bought beer. I think they would take it home and dump it eventually. But they came in to support. Maybe us. give it to friends or, or family. Whatever, or, you know, but they. I like to take, think it found a home in someone's belly. I would belly. Like to think so too, but I'm not positive, you know. And they but, can dump it. Down but my I knew throat. that they were here to support us. And one of our neighbors came, you know, when this all started, when we had to close, and you know, wrote an amazing, uh, gave us an amazing tip, you know, and said, "Hey, hope this helps a little bit." So we started to realize that our neighbors actually, you know, they they support us and they like us. And so after. You know, we were able to open again outdoors. You know, I talked to the neighbors. I said, you know, can we can we do this? Can we be outside and we'll you know we'll set some rules and you know we won't play music past 9:30 and we won't we won't do this we won't do that and uh, we could get open and we could survive. You know, and they wanted us to survive once again. You know, so we felt comfortable giving it a try, and that's how we ended up being outside. So obviously. I mean, suffice it to say, COVID was terrible for a lot of folks, most folks on some levels, but it sounds like ultimately coming out of this, hopefully, B Court is in a much better place. Yeah. 
thanks yeah. to the your changes in yeah. outdoor music. It's hard to sell. You know, it's hard to celebrate it when you're thinking of it in the big scope like that because a lot of people died. And people I know lost right. people. Right. But but in the end, um, you know, everybody had to do something. And we were fortunate that we were in the right place at the right time in many ways. People wanted to come out and come out to the country and come out and get away from other people. And so we were smart enough to take advantage of that opportunity. And I know one thing that uh, Jeff and I wanted to ask based on we were seeing your lot, your musical lineups for the last couple of weeks. And there's some, you know, there's some big names in there. We were wondering how you select who shows up. You've already answered that to some degree. It sounds like B chord is now a destination unto itself where you're getting, as you say, national acts that want to come and perform. Right. 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 So, so right. tell, tell our listeners a little bit about, do you select most of the bands? Is it, is it bands asking to come? Is it a little mix of both? It's a little mix of both. Honestly, most of the bands that play here are on the list of our favorite bands. So it's been kind of a dream in that sense because we could kind of handpick the bands that we want to come play here, and they all are pretty much our favorite bands. It's um, like when you dream of having your own backyard show. Like, if I'm having a barbecue, who do I want to show up? You've right. created that for yourself. That's right. That's right. And so now, and then that just kind of grows. and. You know, it's crazy some of the stuff that's coming our way. Like, for example, Leftover Salmon will be here next month, which to me is just incredible to think that they'll be here in our backyard. Uh, Sounds a lot more interesting than providing Internet. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) at the same time, you know, then the amazing part is, in the end, like, the music is great. And we we talk a lot about the music. People are really very interested in music, and and, and they find it fascinating. But the funny part is, is on a night when there's, you know, places filled with people, and they're just loving the music, and they're having so much fun, they're all drinking the beer that I made, which or that me and Jim made, or me and Steve made. And it's really, that's, you know, amazingly rewarding that no one really even thinks about, you know. And that's why you you just segued nicely. Like it's almost like you're hosting this show. You're bringing us right into the next point. He may but be smarter than we are, Jeff. <laughs> we find that a lot, don't we, Derek? Uh, it's almost every episode, I, I think. Know. Yeah, there's a common theme. <laughs> Jeff and I are the dumbest people on our podcast. Yeah, but I mean that's why we have great guests. That's why we bring people in because no one wants to just listen to us. But uh, to to move into the beer side of things because the music, obviously, I'm sure people will be hearing it in the background now this is just a sound check i i'm excited to hear some of this a little bit later but the on the beer side of things you've been brewing for four years now you've had a a few different brewers you work on the brewing how do you decide um I guess, how do you decide what to brew next? Or how do you decide where the direction of the brewery, aside from the music? It's almost like you have two very difficult jobs. Yeah, not well, almost, it is. Like you, it's, you have two very difficult jobs. It's not difficult as difficult jobs. as you might think. And, and I'll tell you the reason for that is because I don't have this long-running you know, passion for making like certain beers or you know, I'm stuck in a, in, a, in a particular thing. And I am instead a, you know, a very focused capitalist and I want to make money in this business and obviously I didn't you know blow my retirement to just have a good time I also want to make money and so we focus so you can stay retired if you can call this retired no I'm not retired at all now this is the opposite I, I learned my lesson this is a young man's job yeah you I'm, keep saying retirement I, like but one day like I want very hard I blew my retirement I want to get it back What a great chat that was with Marty, and what a great weekend we had out there in Loudoun County, don't you think, Derek? 
Yeah, we had some really awesome beers. Uh, we heard some really, really good music. We had some good food. And as always, Jeff, when you and I hang out, we had a lot of laughs. And now it's time for Miles and Points with Pints, and we'll get you the updates. We've taken a couple weeks off here from the podcast, so there's a lot to go through. Obviously, we can't cover it all, but we will get some of the major things that have been going on out there. And, of course, we want to remind people, make sure you listen to next week's episode to get the conclusion of that interview with Marty. And then we also recorded another interview out there in Loudoun County, and that'll come out later on this summer, so keep an eye out for that, too. But for travel and credit cards and hotels and airlines and all those kind of things, Derek, what do you say we get started with the credit cards, and where are we going first? Uh, well, in the last three weeks, has there really been any big news, Jeff? I, I can't remember. Oh, wait. I feel like there was something. There was like yeah. maybe one or two things. Like one of the biggest offers in the uh, credit card world for the last five years, the 100,000-point Chase Sapphire Preferred. Uh, you know, Jeff, we mentioned the 80,000-point sign-up bonus every single week on miles and points with pints. Now we're at 100,000. I mean, do we have to say anything more? If you're eligible, uh, 524 or less, uh, that means less than five credit personal credit cards open in the last 24 months or less. You haven't had a uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred or Reserve sign-up bonus in the last 48 months. Uh, you are eligible, and you should sign up ASAP. Uh, No-brainer. Um, don't need to think about it. Run to your favorite blog, hopefully Travel on Points or other websites, and sign up as soon as you can because this is a no-brainer offer worth a minimum of $1,250. And we thought the 80,000-point offer was crazy, and people thought I was nuts for saying I was waiting for a higher offer, and then we saw a 90,000-point targeted offer, and then this 100,000-point offer came out. And, you know, I still haven't applied for it because I'm waiting for a, a referral, hopefully, from my wife. But I'm getting a little nervous and I may just go ahead and apply without that because they have not matched that offer for referrals yet. Referrals are still seeing that 80,000 point offer. So I don't know. Maybe I'll push it a couple more days. There is uh, one more option for applying for that card if you're near a Chase branch. You can go into the branch and potentially get the 100K offer with a waived annual fee. But that is, we're seeing mixed results with that. Some people are having success, success with that. Some people are not. If you do that, if you do take that route, definitely get it in writing that you're going to get the 100k offer and the no annual fee but if you'd rather support someone like your friendly podcaster or your friendly blogger go ahead and apply through the links that we have available for you yep i mean you know at the end of the day it's only 95 dollars, and you know for some people 95 bucks well, it's a lot of money for all of us but um you know there's no guarantee right now you will get that hundred thousand point offer if you go in branch and apply and are approved you might you may not uh, you will save the $95, though, but, uh, you know, if you if you appreciate the work for your local blogger or your favorite blogger or your favorite podcaster um, or, or a friend or something like that uh, that's in this space, just use their link and, and, and support them. It's your, it's your no-cost way, really, to support them, and uh, you're guaranteed to get that 100,000-point offer, which is, as we mentioned, is a no-brainer. Jeff, there's big news 
the day we're recording this, about 10 minutes before going on air, I saw that Doctor of Credit, which is uh, a website everyone should be following, typically has really good uh, intel that comes out before the banks want us knowing about it. There is apparently a 70,000-point offer uh, that might be targeted but maybe coming out to the general public in mid to late July. So um, that would be the highest offer on the Chase Sapphire Reserve since its initial launch back in 20, what was it, 2016, fall 2016. Uh, and that went that 100,000 point offer on the CSR went away in spring of 2017. We haven't seen anything higher than 50,000 until a couple of months ago. So a 70,000 point offer on the CSR is also a no-brainer uh, if you would prefer to get that card over the CSP. And remember that you can't get both of those right in a row. You can only hold one Sapphire card, and you can only get a sign-up bonus on Sapphire cards every 48 months. So think carefully about which one you're going to get. Yeah, I would say that, you know, and Jeff, uh, we, had, we didn't discuss this off-air, but I, I'm guaranteed I would almost guarantee we agree on this. The CSP makes sense for almost everyone. The only people I could think, if you're if you're – Deciding between a 100,000-point Chase Sapphire Preferred and if the 70,000-point Chase Sapphire Reserve offer comes to fruition, the only people the 70,000-point offer really makes sense for would be members of the uh, military that would get that annual fee waived uh, because it would be $0 annual fee for both cards, but on the CSR you would be getting that $300 travel credit plus the uh, Peloton credit and things of that nature uh, that might make up that 30,000-point difference. But for everyone else, I would say for the, uh, for the sign-up bonus alone, get the CSP at 100 k and you could upgrade that to a CSR in year two if that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I've recommended to a couple of friends of mine is to get the, the Chase Sapphire Preferred, and then you can always upgrade it if you want those benefits from the Chase Sapphire Reserve down the line better to get more points always in my opinion maybe not always but almost always yeah and and again 30 30,000 points is uh, my math is terrible but at one and a one and a quarter points uh since per point on the chase sapphire preferred that would be a difference of about 375 dollars uh in the chase portal uh, over this, over a potential seventy thousand point offer. It's again, it's currently sixty, but there is a rumor circulating uh, the day we recorded this podcast of a coming seventy thousand point offer. So, three hundred and seventy five dollar difference uh, on that extra thirty thousand points via the Chase portal or Chase pay yourself back. So, I would go that route again, unless you're military and getting a CSR annual fee waived. And Jeff, uh, as we move from the Chase credit card offers, there's a brand new card in the space that's getting a lot of traction, not just in our world, but in mainstream media. It's made the rounds on CNN, on USA Today, on New York Times. I even saw an article about it in the Wall Street Journal. What's this new card everyone's buzzing about? The brand new card from City is called the City Custom Cash Card, and it's got a couple of interesting features. The sign-up bonus on the card is $200 cash back after $750 spend, so a very low spend. The card has no annual fee, which we love to see those no annual fee cards, especially City also has the double cash card, so a couple of those City no annual fee cards are looking pretty good here. 
but this one is a 5% cash back card on up to $500 per month of spending. So that works out to $25 per month. So not a huge, huge cash back card, but it does add up to a few hundred dollars a year. And that's a pretty good bonus with such a low spend on a no annual fee card that has these 5% categories. Yeah, Jeff, I think what City did on this card is is sort of ingenious. Um, there's, you know, it's very similar to the Chase Freedom Flex and the old uh, original Chase Freedom in that it's, you know, it, when you combine 500 a month, it ends up being the same $1,500 per quarter. But breaking it up monthly versus quarterly, you're probably going to have some breakage there because people will forget to use it each month uh, rather than, you know, uh, us savvy points and miles enthusiasts on the Freedom and Freedom Flex quarters. We typically just go spend 1500 bucks as quickly as we can and then sock drawer it for the rest of the quarter. And then we pull it out and do the same thing again in three months. Uh, but with this one, you need to do it monthly. Uh, it's uh $500, like you said. So for City's benefit, it sounds like it's as good or better than the Chase Freedom cards, uh, but they're probably going to not have to pay out as many rewards as Chase does. But here's the thing that I think makes it actually better than the Freedom Flex or the old school Freedom, Jeff. Rather than Chase telling us what the 5% cashback categories like Chase does, um, City says you get to decide what the bonus is the 5% cash back each month. They give you they give you a bunch of categories and whatever you spend the most in each month is what the 5% cash back is. Really easy categories honestly. Restaurants, gas stations, grocery stores and travel among other things, drug stores. So on the first day of the month you get this card. You could go spend 500 bucks at a gas station, a grocery store, a drug store or on travel, and you're getting 5% back. Just make one $500 purchase, wink, wink, at any of those places. That's going to be your top charge of the month, and you just hit your $25. Like the Chase cards, the 5% Chase cards, this $25 doesn't have to stay as $25. It's also, uh, if you have a Premier or Prestige card, and all of you should have a City Premier or Prestige card to get in the Thank You Points game, if you have one of those cards, it's actually 2,500 City Thank You Points you earn each month. So, that you know, like the Freedom cards, those rotating Freedom cards, you, you have the ability to earn 30,000 City Thank You Points each year on a no annual fee card, provided you have the Premier or the Prestige. That's about as good as it gets, Jeff. And uh, I love the fact that we get to pick the category each month, and it doesn't get much easier than gas stations, grocery, or drugstores. Yeah, and when you sum that up with the, the fact that you can make 30,000 thank you points in a year, immediately what popped into my head is the fact that I redeemed 62,000 thank you points, so two years and just a couple extra thank you points from something else of maximizing this card and I redeemed that for three nights at a beachfront villa at a tiny little resort in Maoria, French Polynesia and we had just our own little private beach it was gorgeous on this little resort so now I want to go back there I want to get this card I want to go back there and I want to enjoy that island one more time one word of advice Jeff you're under 524 so don't get this card just yet. 
Yeah, I get know. the get the CSP. There you go. Okay, point taken. I will do that. <laughs> Hit that five twenty four, and that and that goes for everyone. Honestly, uh, you know your again your favorite podcaster, your favorite blogger wants you to sign up for cards. Once the affiliate revenue, we're here telling you the honest truth. Do not sign up for this card if you're under five twenty four. Uh, wait for it. Uh, it'll be there. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, max out your, uh, the chase cards. Grab a couple of inks if you have a business. Uh, don't grab this card while you're under 524. It's simply not worth it as awesome as, as it is for a no annual fee card. So. so super exciting. Not for everyone. For a lot of people, though. A lot of those people who are way over 524. Amex didn't want to be left out this week. They don't have a giant offer like the Chase Sapphire Preferred. They don't have a brand new card, but they are putting out some decent bonuses to people who already have their cards. And these have been some targeted offers, but uh, definitely log into your account and see if you see anything about this in your Amex offers. They could appear anywhere. Watch your emails. Amex is offering 10 to 20,000 points to add an authorized user to cards and spend $2,000 in six months. So it's like a little mini sign-up bonus. If you have spent some spend you need to get done, it's an easy way to bump up your membership rewards points. And I had uh, I checked today before going on air, and I had this targeted offer to add an AU on both of my gold cards. Uh, really simple to add an authorized user on those. Go spend two grand at grocery uh, over the next six months, which I, w- I would do anyway to max out that 4X at grocery stores on the MX Gold up to $25,000 per year. And voila, I, uh, I was targeted for 10000 on one, 20000 on the other. So spend a total of four grand, get 30000 MX membership rewards in addition to 4X at, uh, at grocery. Uh, that's Pretty good deal, uh, especially for a no annual uh, no annual fee AU card on those gold. So looking uh, happy about that. It's a really good offer. Jeff, you mentioned there weren't any big splashes for Amex. However, yeah, that was a lie. It turns out. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, depending on what you think a, a big splash is, how does a hundred and sixty thousand membership reward sound? We're talking like thirty two hundred bucks um, minimum. Uh, if you transfer to travel partners, maybe as much as four, five, six grand. Um, I'm thinking for all of us A&A aficionados, you're now talking about uh, an entire round trip first class fare on A&A to Japan plus half of another one almost uh, for one sign up. Obviously, we're talking about these targeted, no lifetime language, business platinum emails that have been going out for the last couple of weeks. They started at about 100000 on the biz platinum. They went up to the 150000 I did grab one of those, Jeff, my third biz platinum since last October. Uh, so I'm terrible with math. Eight or nine months, I'm on my third biz platinum. That one was 150000 sign up. But now, uh, as of this week... They're, they're sending out 160,000 MX membership rewards uh, for a $15,000 spin. Just absolutely unbelievable, Jeff. So it's a higher spend, as we see a lot on these business cards. As time goes on, most of the, the big business cards and the higher-end business cards are putting these 15000 We've seen up to $50,000 spends required on cards from Capital One. This, If you can do that spend... 
absolutely get this card again crazy amount of points crazy amount of points i can't i still am in awe of the fact that we're seeing all these offers for so many points and i guess redemption prices have gone up a lot over the years um it's more expensive to book tickets but i was looking back at my credit card documents and the records that i keep for cards that i got and back in 2012, 2013, I was excited to be getting, and I applied for cards, getting a 35 and 40,000 point bonus, and as low as 25,000 point bonuses. 50,000 point bonuses were almost unheard of at that point. And now we're talking 100, we're talking 160. It's just, it's so many points, it's mind boggling, and I want them all. Remember when you and I first got in the award travel game and a 50,000-point sign-up bonus on a Chase Sapphire Preferred was mind-blowing and almost life-changing. It was unheard about, of. We're talking about double that now, right? Now we're talking about, you know, I, I view, I'm sure you view Amex points and Chase points similar, almost exactly the same value. We're talking about triple, more than triple on this uh, Biz Platinum offer of 160 k more than triple what we all used to sign up for uh, five, six years ago. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. So keep an eye out for those targeted offers from Amex. Again, the no lifetime language on those means you can get those cards even if you've already had them. Make sure that you read the terms and conditions and make sure that there is no lifetime language on there. But if you can get these, get them, get some Amex points, go see the world. Such a great offer. Absolutely. And one last note on the targeted offers from MX. They are, uh, in the last 10 days or so, they have been sending out 100,000-point uh, business gold, no lifetime language offers. Uh, we, we had previously been seeing 90,000-point offers. Uh, they're now up to 100,000. 100,000 on the business gold is the highest I have ever seen, just like the 160 for the Biz Platinum is the highest I've ever seen. If you have, especially if you have had these cards before uh, uh, or you currently have them, this is an absolute no brainer. So, we've got some big news as we round out credit cards here on the miles and points with pints segment, and that is that. Officially, as of today, Miles and Pints has partnered with Travel on Points and with card ratings, and we now have affiliate credit card links. So if you want to support the podcast and you want to support both Derek and I, you can go to our new credit cards page on the website at milesandpints.com, and you can check out the cards that are available. If you're planning to get one of those cards, click through that link. And we will get a little bit of an affiliate payout for that. And we'll be splitting that. If you like Derek and you hate me, just go to Travel On Points, as you have been able to do for a long time. And you can send all of your affiliate money towards him. But, you know, I'd kind of appreciate it if you would send some towards the podcast here and me as well. And... uh... Two thoughts come to mind here. Number one, it's a big day for us. We're really excited. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, we appreciate all the support you all will give us uh, in the future. But two, let's not under, underestimate it. It's a big thank you to our listeners. You all are uh, obviously responding to the podcast. We're getting lots of feedback. We're getting lots of reviews. We're getting lots of downloads. And it's because of you all and the numbers uh, that our affiliate partners are seeing that make this possible. So because you all are listening and enjoying the podcast, uh, this 
big step for miles and pints as possible. So if you like us and it, uh, it seems you do, you're downloading and listening to us and leaving us positive reviews, share us with your friends and family, your neighbors, any of your fellow beer drinkers or your fellow travelers, uh, and let's continue to grow. And we are truly appreciative of all your support. Absolutely. And that rounds out credit cards. Let's head over to the world of hotels and see what's going on. I think it's your favorite up first. That's Hyatt Hotels, right, Derek? Uh, You know, Jeff, I love Hyatt. I really do. What the heck is going on with this new promo? I mean, they send out these emails and they say, we're going to give you some free nights. Uh, You might... You might stay two nights, get the third free. You might stay three nights and get the fourth free. You you might not. We're not going to give you any hints on what hotels are eligible, how you can find them. Um, Basically, spend hours and hours and hours on our website digging, and you might find an offer. That doesn't really sound like a promo to me. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a little bit better than another promo that we're going to talk about when we get to the airlines, but it's still not great. <laughs> Touche. I haven't, yeah. I haven't played much with it. I My general view on it is if I'm going to have a stay that's going to be a couple of nights somewhere, then I'll look and hopefully I'll get a free night, but I'm not going to go searching out those free nights. I'll certainly look at, for every trip I'm taking, places I need to stay. But it's not, they've made it so difficult that it's not something that's going to move the needle for me and make me take the extra effort. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent, mm, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes the day the promo was announced looking for a couple of properties that we were considering anyway. I found nothing. I gave up. I haven't had time this week. It's been uh, really busy working on the credit card launch for uh, Miles and Pints, trying to recover on sleep after the weekend spent with you last weekend, those types of things. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go back and try and hunt this one down. It, I, I mean, we don't have a lot of three and four day stays planned for the rest of the year anyway that aren't aren't already booked on points. Our point stash, luckily, or I guess unluckily from so many cancellations in 2020, is large enough that I plan point stays for the foreseeable future. So I don't really know what good um, you know, third and fourth night free could be on cash bookings right now. But, uh, you know, for people that, especially high-end properties that are eligible, if you find those dates, it'll probably be great. Uh, I would say um, I've seen some comments online already that these promos are uh, are essentially the same thing that you could get through the, uh, through the various uh, travel agents that have uh, for Hyatt access to purvey rates. Uh, they're typically getting third night free mo- um, for the last, I guess, year plus at uh, properties like the Andaz and the uh, Miraval and uh, the Park Hyatts and things like that. So maybe reach out if you're considering something like this, maybe <laughs> let the Privé agent uh, do their job and uh, take their time searching to see if they can get you uh, third or fourth night free rather than you spending hours on the website looking for something. So yeah, kind of swing and a miss on that part of the promo. But Jeff, there was a little good news Uh in, in terms of the Hyatt announcement this week, two things. The second half of that promo is that on stays between July 20th and September 15th, you will earn triple points on all stays of two or more nights. So as we all know, Hyatt points are crazy valuable. Um, so triple points you'll be earning, I guess, without status, you'd be earning 15 points per dollar. 
Um, so, you know, a thousand dollar spend at a Hyatt hotel would earn you without elite earnings, uh, 15,000 points, which would be good for a, up to a category four Hyatt, you know, those can get in the three to $400, uh, range. So a thousand dollar spend at a Hyatt hotel during this program, uh, could easily get you a 40% return, which is pretty awesome. And when, when I look at these two promos together, I actually find it kind of funny because the second one is triple points on stays of two nights or more. And the first one is going to maybe give you a third or fourth night free. So your cost will drop so you won't earn as many triple points. So if you get if you find one of these unicorn free nights, you're going to lose out on the more points. And I guess you'll save money. So that's still a win. But it, it's like it punishes you from the second half of the promo if you find figure out how to use the first half of the promo. That's, that's a great point. It's like right hand, left hand, right? And they don't know what they're doing at the same time. So, um, yeah. The biggest piece of news from this whole Hyatt announcement this week, and, you know, let's we made fun of Hyatt in the beginning because there's a whole swing and miss in my book on that free night promo. But the biggest news, Jeff, is that they have once again delayed uh, the introduction of peak and off-peak awards, which I think is phenomenal. We've seen what a disaster that's been with uh, Marriott since Marriott introduced the peak and off-peak. They're really playing games with availability. I, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I don't expect Hyatt to be quite as bad once they introduce it, but this is now the second or third delay in introducing that program, which I think is um, really good. People are still struggling to travel and really want to get out there and burn their points, so kudos to Hyatt for doing uh, what I think um, the vast majority of their loyalists wanted. Yeah, and maybe if we're lucky, they'll just keep delaying that. I don't want a pandemic again. I don't want this pandemic to continue. I don't want any more bad luck. I just want them to keep delaying the launch of this. Agreed. Maybe cancel it all together. We wouldn't complain. Yeah, although there is something attractive about those 2,500-point night uh, Category 1s, you know, for those airport hotels. I mean... It's it's pretty easy to earn 2,500 URs, so um, that would be attractive. But, yeah, the rest of it, I don't want the 30,000-point park heights jumping to whatever it would be, 40,000. No thanks on that. That's that's big-time no-no for me. So who has a worse promotion than the Hyatt Free Night promotion? Oh, we all know. When we move over to airlines here, we're going to run smack into Southwest Airlines and their 50th anniversary promos. They've had some that look good, some that are good, some that are terrible. And I believe by the time this airs, the promo will be over, but they have run a a 50% off the base rate of flights promo, which seems great. Unless you've searched for some of those flights before and you find that the flight prices are all higher and then you get the 50% off the higher price. This also, I mean, this could be due to the fact that airfare prices are just going up and crazy as so many people start to travel. But at least for the, the routes that you and I looked at, we found a lot of things higher than we've ever paid for them on those routes. And then when you get the 50% off, it brings it down to about the same or a little over what we've paid in the past. Yeah. So, so Jeff, I'm going to I'm going to give you a little riddle here, okay? Uh and hopefully it's not c- too confusing. The same number of people like this Southwest promo as the number of points I've earned in the promo. 
as the same number of people have booked a $239 each way Baltimore to Buffalo flight in the history of Southwest Airlines? The answer to all three is zero. <laughs> oh, man, I was going to get that, too. You didn't give me a chance to answer. Oh, well, yeah, I, I assumed you would get it right. I've earned zero points playing every single day. Uh, in and their, you're in their... talking, of course, about the daily win game, but it's not really a daily win game because yeah. nobody seems to be winning it. No. But Southwest has this little thing, again, for the 50th anniversary promo that you can go and basically you log in and then you click a few suitcases and they open up with a bunch of stuff that might be packed in suitcases and you never get any points. Yeah. And the worst part about it is, as we've all learned by now, as soon as you log in or as soon as you enter all their, your info, you don't even click on these suitcases. They've already emailed you telling you you win nothing. That's stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Right? And I, maybe there's a suitcase somewhere out there that you win. I don't know. I played it a few days and gave up. That's generally the what I've seen from most people is they try a few times. We haven't heard of anyone winning. Certainly no one winning big. I don't know. Why bother? I haven't heard of anything more than 50 points. And that's somebody winning at one time out of, you know, what are we now? Uh, 15 days into the month, 16 days into the month. It's an absolute joke. And to your point about the, uh, I was joking about the Buffalo flight, this 50% off promo, it's a joke, Jeff. It's an absolute joke. We were, we were looking at Buffalo flights, BWI to Buffalo. It's an hour flight. Uh, those flights, I've, I've done that route probably 12 times uh, in my life. I've never paid more than $49 each way. Today we were looking for flights months off and not in prime Buffalo weather season, you know, not during the summer. And it was $239 each way, and then they were discounting it in half. Um, so it was 120 bucks one way, and I think uh, the other way it was still like $200 when it's quote-unquote half off. That's just lunacy, Jeff. No, no one ever pays that for a want-to-get-away fare on an hour flight on Southwest. So I think overall this it's uh, they got some egg on their face on this one. It's, um, it's not a good promo. Uh, they're everyone's kind of laughing at them and uh it's been a big flop i know people are kind of excited about these 50 percent off promos and maybe some of them are good deals but uh the four or five routes i've looked at um have been swing and misses again i haven't found anything that even seems reasonable in my book even if it is quote unquote 50 percent off so if you're listening to the podcast here on friday when it launches and you're sad that you missed this don't be that sad nope not that great from where we're sitting. And I think that's about it for airlines. Not a ton of news in the hotel and airline space, even though we've been gone for a few weeks. I'm sure there's some stuff that we've forgotten about because it was a couple of weeks ago and the world moves on. But, you know, feel free to comment with those things or let us know what we missed out on if there are. In general travel, the European Union today announced that they were moving the United States to their green level, which will open up travel to both vaccinated and non-vaccinated Americans, which is a surprising development. And that will be from the U.S. to Europe, as well as between countries in Europe, which, again, we've talked about this in the past on the podcast. The European Union deciding things is great, but... 
it's still up to the individual member countries of the European Union to have the final say. So lots of countries are not going to let non-vaccinated Americans in, even though it's supposedly green level for the European Union. And lots of countries are not going to let you freely move because they're still having a lot of problems with COVID cases over there, and they're not as highly vaccinated as we are here in the U.S. So good news, but again, a little bit of, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Yeah, it's a little too early to tell, right? I know uh, since we last spoke, several uh, additional EU member countries have opened their borders or have announced they're opening their borders to vaccinated Americans. This announcement today by the EU that it's going to be a broad opening. You're right, it's going to go country by country, but golly day, does it feel good to hear France is opening, right? We can go to France if we want. I'd love to be in the French countryside uh, eating some freshly baked bread and some delicious french cheese now i'm just daydreaming aren't i and i you forgot the wine and the champagne oh yeah yeah i, I hadn't got there yet and the uh, duck and the escargot and the oh. <laughs> oh so much so much let's, good food. let's book a flight yes. i can taste the foie gras <laughs> absolutely yeah Mm, yeah, I'd love to be in France, but back to my original point. It, it's really good in the last, you know, I guess three weeks since our last update. It's really good to see, uh, you know, back the, about three weeks ago is basically Turkey and Croatia was about it, and Iceland, I guess. Now we've got France, we've got uh, uh, Italy, uh, a couple others have uh, announced opening plans are are open. So we're up to about a half a dozen uh, EU member nations that are that are open to Americans that are vaccinated. So we are moving in the right direction. And hopefully over the next 30 days, uh, or or less, we are basically um, green lighted to go anywhere in the EU by the fall. So we are moving in the right direction, Jeff, and it's really good to see. Yes, it is. And that'll do it for our updates this week. Come back next week. We'll get you more from the world of travel rewards and miles and points. And until then, keep spending on those credit cards, keep booking those trips, and enjoy your travel. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Marty as we did talking to him. It's great that he's been able to steer his passions into such an amazing brewery and music venue. Remember, if you want to come try these beers for yourself, you have to make your way to B Chord Brewing Company in Round Hill, Virginia. If you plan in advance, you may even be able to catch a great concert while you're there. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Loudon and the Loco Ale Trail, for helping us get this episode out to you. Every visit we make out to Loudon County, we're falling more and more in love with the area. You should really look into a visit, too. All of the important points and links for things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too, and please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, 
and a whole lot of fun. Yeah.